You're listening to episode six of season six of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, Decisions, Decisions. Hi, I'm Diana Larson. And I'm Sharon Buckmaster. Together, Sharon and I are the founders of FutureWorks Consulting, now in our sixth series of podcasts about leadership and organization development and change. Sharon, it's been a while since we've talked about one of the areas of our work that we both really love, which is helping teams, helping people become effective as teams and helping teams of people become more effective. Right. And, um, and so there's some team building, there's some team development, there's some guidance for how leaders work with teams. Um, there's some guidance for how team members share leadership between and among themselves. And that's been an area of interest for both of us for quite a long time. And I thought, well, you know, we haven't talked yeah. about that for a while. And so I thought we this would be a good time to bring that back up again. Sure, and and I think another area we could um, add to that is is how teams make good decisions, mm-hmm. um, and that in essence it's not one and one equals two, mm-hmm. but one plus one plus one plus one right. should be something more than the sum yeah. of just a bunch of individual yeah um, contributors thinking. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit yeah, about that right. as well. Yeah, actually, um, in talking with a colleague um, uh, who works with Industrial Logic, uh, Tim Ottinger, uh, he and I have had some wonderful conversations about knowledge work teams in particular and his, his interest and my interest in software teams, but mm-hmm. I think this applies beyond that, mm-hmm. that their primary work being able to make decisions and able to make decisions on their own and able to make decisions together. And, um, and you know, my part of that is I always say to him, but Tim, people really have to be able to learn together and do and learn effectively before they can make the decisions they need to make. But in as in fact, it is both. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's a, I think that's a good, um, a good thing to key off of in that, in terms of team decision making, you know, that idea of making decisions as a group that the whole group can move forward on. Well, you know, all individuals are perfectly capable of making decisions on their own. It's not always informed by what the whole group wants to do or or thinking of that team as an entity that is going to make decisions and move forward. So that's well, that's a good slice to begin by looking at. Well, yeah. even before that, I mean, yeah. I, I agree, but even before that, let's talk a little bit, just briefly, mm-hmm. about what makes a team a team. Yeah. Because, um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is still very confusing mm-hmm. um, in many organizations, not all, mm-hmm. but in many, is who is the team? Mm-hmm. What is the team? And... People use, they throw that word around so loosely, and then they're surprised when people don't feel themselves to be really part of Mm -hmm. a team or the team. And so Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about what you and I mean when we talk about team 
in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, right. let's let's begin with that. Okay. Um, and you know, I mean, certainly a team has to have a common purpose, mm-hmm. and the people who are on the team have to have work that's interdependent. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are two primary ingredients. Well, so, And the interdependent work, we often talk about it's being cross-functional, that all the sk- meaning all the skills that are needed to reach the goal, the common goal, are embedded in the team. Right. And so, um, yeah, and so in the Agile world, we talk about cross-functional teams. We talk about teams of generalizing specialists. Uh-huh. Um, some right. people call them pie, and we just had pie day. So some people call yeah. it pie-shaped yeah. people or, or T-shaped people where, yes, of course you come to the team with depth in a certain area, but you also learn to be able to backstop other team members, maybe not every other team member necessarily, but at least so that the team has some redundancy, which gives it robustness and strength. Right. But that's a part of that interdependent work. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, what what else do you see as critical for the for well, I think defining that, a team? I think that the team... You know, in terms of decision making, I guess in, uh, the team has to have agreed on some kind of joint, jointly to have some mutual idea of how they want to approach the work, mm-hmm. how the team members want to approach the work mm-hmm. together. We can't be heading off in different process directions, for instance. Right. So, so um, might be, you know, any of the agile processes. It could be any of uh, other kinds of ways of working together. How are we going to approach this work? Are we going to Are we going to do it in a in a uh, plan driven kind of phased development kind of way or phases kind of way, or are we going to work iteratively and do it all at once? But whatever it is, there has to be agreement among the group that that's that's the approach they're going to take. You know, it's interesting. I um, I work with a public entity, um, as you know, quite mm-hmm. a bit, and um, I, I I just have been, in essence, trying over the, this weekend, trying mm-hmm. to um, essentially mediate a dispute between the principal project managers and the leadership of the organization about who gets to make what decision. Really, mm-hmm. they are. More than a year and a half into a, a huge capital <laughs> improvement project, um, the 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 disagreement is profound. I mean, neither side sees that the other has essentially any legitimacy in that, you know, in terms of being able to make some critical decisions at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're arguing about the credentials of um, an additional person to join the project. And it's, it's not really about that person's credentials. It's right. about who has the power to make this decision. And I'm like, you guys didn't sort this, sort this <laughs> stuff at the beginning? <laughs> wow. Are you serious? Wow. I mean, this is so essential. So the project manager is on one side, in essence, saying, well, if they give me this 
unqualified person, the project is going to fail. And then whose fault is it going to be? You know, in essence, mm. with hands on hips, um, very um, pouty and upset about it. And from her perspective, rightfully so. And the management folks are saying, this never was this person's decision to make. This is the decision that we have always thought we would make. The person we're proposing is totally qualified. They need to just work together. Blah, de, blah, de, blah. I, I am just so astonished. And what I know is that there are millions of dollars at stake. Mm -hmm. So the work of the team, as you will, uh, mm -hmm. if you, you know, should have been done you know, you would call it chartering. Right. Um, in the non-agile world, people might just call it sort of getting their heads around. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. just some really basic kinds mm -hmm. of things of who is responsible for what and what are the parameters and the lines What's of authority and yeah. all of that. And because this, this organization throws the word team around, um, and, and doesn't really grapple with those issues. Here we are many, many, many months into a project and many millions of dollars into a project. And right. I don't see how this can end well. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, there, is there, just... there is one, um, I mean, this is a little bit not right directly related to teams, but it is because the the work of teams um particularly knowledge work teams is is often related to this and that's the the lean concept of decisions being made closest to the work right 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 who who is closest to the piece of work that is being done and who's best informed about the nature of the work how the work is going you know, the concepts of the work, if you will, and all those things. And and in a cross-functional team, that is pretty much always the team. Right. Uh, if you've got a good cross-functional team, understands the work the best to make decisions about how to move forward. Right. And that includes how to add team members. Right. And, and what what kind of resources you need, when you need and them. And when you need them. And, and, you know, what they need to look like. Right. But, you know, that, that idea of decision-making being um, pushed down to lowest possible level, in right. other words, the closest to the work. I have to say that, you know, although people think that lean originated that, no. I, I can tell you that in the late 70s, yeah. um, that was something I heard articulated very clearly um, at the uh, at a management conference I went to at United Airlines. Yeah. Um, I mean that was yeah, that it's was been around a long time. been around a long time, yeah. and so you know, Lean has you know certainly brought that um, up to the surface, perhaps in yeah. a new way. But yeah. I think really good managers. Right. have always known that the people that know the most about the work are the people who should be... Are in um, the trenches. Right, right. And, and, or, and, or, you know, if it's management work, then managers know the most about it. Right. I mean, if it's about 
you know, what is the work system going to be like? What are our uh, organizational goals and directions? I mean, those are executive level. That's where the executives are closest to the work because yeah. they have the best pulse right. on the right the and work the marketplace environment or the the general environment. You know, enterprise environment. Um, you know, managers then have a different level of sight and are closest to that work. Yeah. But when you're talking about the value producing work, right? The actual, you know, manifesting this initiative in the world, like you're talking about, that's the people who are doing that work, right? And that's really interesting. And and I think that's a part of you. You mentioned um, a part of it. Uh, people being really able to work as a team. There's kind of characteristics of teams, and then there's the ability to work as a team. How do you be effective as a team? And a part of that joint approach to the work, I think, is being very clear about what are our limits of decision-making authority? What permissions do we have? What permissions don't we have? Right. Um, where, you know, which, um, which areas are we going to have sort of total autonomy over as a team, a team autonomy about moving forward, and which ones are we not. And all of that being very clear in the beginning mm -hmm. enables a team to work well together. Sure. And, you know, some, many people like sports team analogies, but all of these things actually hold true when you think about the kinds of sports teams where people really have to collaborate and work together to make it work, like soccer teams or football teams, uh, European football teams, or uh, basketball teams, mm -hmm. or where people are on the court, mm -hmm. away from the control of the coach, or the, you know, and they have to be able to make split-second decisions in the moment, right. and you, and those folks know that you, you have to leave those decisions to those people. You can do a retrospective later, you know, right. you can talk about it later. Right. Firefighters. When you're in the middle of a fire, right. you got to do what you got to do, right. and you can't wait and you know check in. Check, checking back in is delay that is just unacceptable, mm -hmm. and and will cripple the project. Yeah, and um, so I I think that's a really important part of being on a team is that ability to make the decisions that need to be made and the learning what you need to know in order to make those decisions. Tim will be happy to hear that we're having well, you know, this conversation. Yeah, there was an article in the um, December 2014 issue of, of HBR called uh, Making Dumb Groups Smarter. Uh, I, I like that. I thought that was a catchy, pretty catchy title. And it's uh, based on a, um, a new book that came out called Wiser, uh, Getting Beyond Groupthink to Make Groups Smarter. Mm -hmm. And the premise of this article is that um, basically, um, you know, it, it, that, that groups have to learn how to think together. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just, um, you know, each person weighing in and then somebody making a decision, that, that there needs to be um, a, a different kind of process. And, and But one of the things that jumped out to me, which I think is so simple and so mm -hmm. obvious, but I see people make this mistake over and over again, is that the leader of the group says what they think before mm -hmm. everyone in the group yeah. has really registered an opinion. Mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. I got to say, that is like such a dumb mistake. Mm-hmm. It's so avoidable. You don't have to be terribly sophisticated to get your head wrapped around the idea that if you're the leader, it is your job to ask the question and then shut up. Yeah. But, you know, really? Could, right. You know, I don't know how to be any clearer. Right. Be quiet because there still is a power differential. Mm-hmm. And it is, no matter how egalitarian you, yeah. you try to be, people know if you're the leader and you say, well, I think, blah de blah blah mm-hmm. oh, okay, I well, will get in line behind that. <laughs> yeah, I better kind of get in line uh, because uh, that's yeah. the way the wind is blowing. And if mm-hmm. I, you mm-hmm. know, and it's much harder to say, uh, excuse me, Mr. or Ms. Leader, uh, but I think you're mistaken about that. Right. Now, the courageous few will. Mm-hmm. They will do it anyway. But you it's... You can't count on that. Yeah, yeah, it's not a great right. way of um, approaching a decision because yeah. it does take courage to dis- disagree with your leader, especially in front of a whole bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. So let's say... Um, worst case scenario, the leader has announced essentially what they're going to do. Then they ask people, you know, what they think or whatever, and nobody disagrees in the room. Mm-hmm. But later, oh, some yeah. gutsy person goes and talks to them and says, you know, you were really wrong about that, and here's why. Well, now you have to undo what's been done. It, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. But if you were just, if you just put the question out there, and then listen, and then ask people to amplify more what they think, or to Mm -hmm. say, well, Joe, you know, what you're saying appears to contradict what, you know, Gene over here is saying, like, let's talk more about that, and need the two of you to be talking to each other here, and you, in essence, defer the decision until all of that's on the table. Mm-hmm. That's a different process, right? Well, and I, well, I think there's there's a couple of pieces in here, and you your your comment has reminded me of two stories. One from many 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 years ago when you and I were working at a, a government agency, and we both oh were, the one we try to forget the one, the one we sometimes try to forget. Um, and you and I were both involved in an uh, initiative they had there to do sort of leadership 360s. Yeah. And then, and then uh, we were both assigned to certain leaders to then meet with them and their teams right. when the results came back and, and talk about that. And I remember one of the leaders that I worked with um, said that, that um, he... He, his complaint was that these people were saying all these things in these 360s, but when he had meetings, they would never speak up. And so I sat with him in a meeting, and it, and it turned out he would ask questions, but then he never gave anybody a chance to speak. He right. would answer his own question right. in the moment. And right. so so then I was coaching him. Well, once you ask the question, you have to actually... Stop and listen. Yes. You have right. to shut up 
for right. a while and right. listen until you have heard from at least, I think I gave him some arbitrary number. You have to have heard from at least three to five people before you can say anything else. Mm -hmm. Take that as a rule. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a many years ago, right. 25 years ago example. Okay. And then last week, um, I was working with a team doing some chartering. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a team that was sort of put at, they had worked together before, but they were heading in a new direction. And so they were rechartering the group. And uh, there were two leaders in the room, and they were so excited about the work that every time we did a process of putting ideas up with sticky notes or things, they or voting, and even more, voting with dots, they, they were so eager that they mm -hmm. wanted to be the first people to the board. Mm. And so I was continually having to say, no, no, let's wait until yeah. everybody else has yeah. voted. Let's wait until yeah. everybody else has put up their sticky notes. Let's wait until everybody else has had an, an opportunity to do some of the affinity sorting before right. you jump in. And for them, you know, and I think they're kind of, they were just blind to that. They were blind to the effects yeah. of that on yeah. the team. Right. And, um, and by, by, um, about the fourth hour, this is a full day meeting, and about the fourth hour, they were they were getting a little twitchy, and every time something had happened, they'd look at me. <laughs> and it's like, can we go up there yet? Yeah. You know, I said, this is okay for us yet. But they were, I mean, that was great. They were very fast learners mm -hmm. in that situation. And, and they talked to me after, and they said, this is a thing I should be doing more, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, this is a thing you should be doing more. But you're, you're absolutely right, you know, that, that, when you put a group of really smart people together, I mean, and that's a decision right. in the beginning for the leaders right. is who are you going to bring together to right. put, have on this team or what team are you, the already existing team, are you going to select to do this next piece of work? That very much is a decision that probably leaders are going to make unless you're in a really open com company. Mm -hmm. and, and that's appropriate. But... But the idea is you do that well enough so that then the members you have on the team can take it from there. Right. And they then have the capacity to make the other decisions that need to be made. And if, if they're struggling, they can always come to the leader and ask for some more information sure. or ask for some perspective. Sure. But until they do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting that, you know, the, the situation you described last week yeah. is like 25, 21, maybe? Yeah. 21 years probably yeah. later than the first one. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a perpetual yeah. issue for people. Um, and, I, you know, certainly I don't think it comes out of, you know, malice or whatever. Right. It's kind of just being unconscious about the nature of group process right. and and you know the the other thing that i often hear people say more often than i'd like is well you know yeah we can register our opinion but it doesn't really matter because mm -hmm. what we've seen is that so and so is going to make the decision they want to make anyway mm -hmm. and so you know it doesn't take long for people to to see that uh, to see the pattern, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't take long. Mm -hmm. And if if 
if um, somebody were to change not much else, mm-hmm. but just this behavior right. in working with teams, I think it would have a very yeah. significant impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the other things that happens, though, is that people are put together in teams without being given any sort of either ongoing or even initial guidance around the fact that you you are a, a knowledge work team. We know you're going to need to make a lot of decisions. Let's talk about the kind of decisions you make and what your options are for making collaborative decisions. Right. Because, you know, people often assume that they either have to vote right. when, and make winners and losers or they have to come to total consensus when, in fact, there are a lot of shades of gray in right. between there. Right. And, and when you have a team that has these T-shaped or pie-shaped, these generalizing specialists, Sometimes you just want to turn to the specialist and say, mm, you know the most about this. Tell us, you know, tell the rest of us which way we should be going. But that's going to change depending on the nature of the question. Because right. different people are going to, that's a very shared model of, you know, offering those decisions to the team. But when the team really does have to come together and make a collective decision, Striving for consensus can sometimes be the biggest time waster sure. that teams get into. And sure. So I've been really excited lately about the ideas that are coming out of sociocracy about consent decision making, which where everybody has the opportunity to participate in the decision, but we're not waiting until we all come to total agreement about the right way to approach because that often is that that often leads to dumbing down of groups right you know the one thing the lowest common denominator that we can all agree that we on. can all agree yeah. on is often not the best decision right um or at least not the the most powerful one the group could come up with whereas trying something a little edgier that we can all at least live with can be right and so there's that that aspect of it too. Yeah. So um, if somebody wanted to learn a little bit more about that particular technique, what mm-hmm. would you recommend as the best place to read about that? Um, well, I, you know, I would Google sociocracy. Um, there are a number of. There's a book that I don't have in front of me right now um, about communities and, and building collaborative communities. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. We'll, put, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. I've learned about it from a number of different sources, most, um, most recently from Gregory, whose last name I'm also forgetting. This is, this is getting old is terrible. It's Monday. Yeah, it's, it's Monday. Monday. It's Monday and yeah. So, um, and my birthday's tomorrow, so I'm, you know, really oh, feeling okay. a so lot you, older. You get yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but his, you know, what he had given me more recently is really a refresher on things I'd already, uh, right. already looked at. So we'll make sure that those, those um, resource links are in the, in the show notes for today. Okay, well, I think we're probably about out of time, so um, it's been kind of an energizing conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, we started out thinking we would talk about teams in general, but I think honing in on this decision-making piece has been really valuable. Yeah, and we'll have the reference for that uh, that new book um, Mm -hmm. that's by um, Cass 
Sunstein and Reed Hasty. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll put that in the show notes too. Please leave a comment on our blog or email us at info at futureworksconsulting.com or find us on Twitter at futurewks. This has been episode six of season six of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening.